2: Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show, with Dave, Honky,
1: Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I am with Honky.
0: Hey, y'all! Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm eating some ice cream right now. I really like It's very vanilla, though, just extremely vanilla oh my gosh i'm getting i'm getting a a brain freeze go to mac please go to mac
3: mac what do you got hey guys i just want to be clear on something before we go any further uh i was under the impression that i would not be having to meet with the media after our podcasts and i don't plan on doing that going forward
1: (laughs) thanks for clarifying that i appreciate it boomer what do you got
3: well,
2: I'd just like to remind the uh, loyal podcast listeners that regardless of what happened this last weekend, we are, we're not the losers of the 2017 Kingsford Charcoal Coaches Hot Seat Bowl, the way A&M was, so things are still, there's still potential, looking forward. Amen.
1: Yeah, that, actually, that's a good point, you know. I've actually, uh, thanks to Honky's uh, Twitter poll on the Texas a and fan base, I've got a direct message conversation going on with Hank Conroe of uh, Ponderosa Springs, Texas, and he wants to know what the hell are you guys complaining about. (laughs) He's tired (laughs) of losing to the terrapins of Maryland. So uh, we can always be worse, guys. Always be worse. Keep that in mind. All right, boys. You know, we've been waiting, oh, I don't know, 13 shows for this one right here, haven't we? We have... Got stuff to talk about now. We have uh, got one week in the books of the 2017 Husker football season. And, uh, well, uh, there was a lot of football out there this weekend. It started Thursday night, and it's uh, still going on here on Monday night as uh, Tennessee and Georgia Tech is still playing as we are doing this podcast. Guys, what, what are your you big takes out of uh, the, the menu of college football this first opening weekend?
0: Honky, well, I think you uh, kind of touched on it a little bit here with the uh, Texas and, and the Twitter poll, and I think Hank might have been one of 570 people that voted in this one. That's but, impressive. Uh, yeah, that's our that's our biggest poll yet, and that uh, probably that's our doesn't biggest poll. I, I don't know if I like the way that sounded, but anyway, <laughs> I bet you don't. Uh, <laughs> everything's bigger in Texas, right? And which Texas it's fan base Texas is more upset poll. right that's now? Funny. Uh, 38% say Texas is are the most upset fans, 49% say A&M, and 13% said Baylor for their loss to, uh, to Liberty. And I think for my take from it is simply it's the perspective of as being a Husker fan and just fans of any team in general, you always feel like your situation is the worst. And Nebraska fans, some, many, felt coming off of the game on Saturday night that there were things they didn't like, but it was a win we do get to move into uh you know oregon week here one and oh and that's a lot better than texas a&m and baylor get to say
3: the truth mac uh what do you think yeah their seasons ruined almost immediately that first game loss is such a such a killer well, you texas wait all has, year
1: texas has usc in a couple of weeks too so yeah
3: well in texas had to be thinking you know they dropped all that money on herman this is there was just no way we're going to come out and lose this first game, and that's just got to be crushing. I, I voted on that particular one for Texas. And the A&M <laughs> one was bad, but, you know, at least it was UCLA. It wasn't <laughs> – that that was a little more tolerable of an opponent. Yeah, at least I mean, they have an NFL-caliber quarterback. A&M, but, uh, A&M
1: won three-fourths of that game handily. Um, they just forgot to, you know, win the fourth, and uh, Josh Rosen, sure – looked like a first-round quarterback uh, afterwards. Boomer, uh, you know those fan bases well. What do you think? Uh, I voted for A&M. Just,
2: uh, I just thought it was very nice of someone to encapsulate an entire Aggie season into one game, starting off so well and looking it's dominant true. early on and then just completely collapsing in a just a dumpster fire by the end of that game. I can't even explain how UCLA won that game. I'd stopped watching it for a while and it turned over to Virginia Tech and West Virginia, which was also an entertaining matchup to watch. Yeah. And then I saw the store kept creeping up and had to flip it back. And it was just amazing. It wasn't like it was turnovers or short fields or anything for UCLA. They would just drive for 50, 60, 70 yards a time and score. And A&M yeah. did nothing. It was it was kind of incredible, actually.
1: Yeah, now A&M's quarterback went down. Um, and Kellen Mond, who's very highly regarded, uh, but he could not – uh, throw the ball downfield. He didn't have any of that part of his game there yet. So, I Miami's mean, offense definitely struggled. But, um, yeah, they, they just didn't have an answer for UCLA in the entire fourth quarter. I think their five touchdown drives told almost 400 yards of offense. So, um, pretty, pretty amazing change there. Uh, any other takes on other big games? You know, those – I mean, Sunday night ended, ended up being the two, like, most exciting games out there. Florida State, Alabama – um, not that exciting. Uh, but went the way but uh, definitely we... consequential though with the, the loss of Francois. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's yeah. a
2: Titanic loss for Florida State in multiple levels. Losing yeah, to Alabama, yeah. so not looking good. Doing so, and then losing your Konky starting have quarterback. To say their
1: quarterback's name any longer? No, no. Oh, thank gosh. Yeah.
0: Well, Deandre and then, Francois. <laughs> and Alabama loses both outside linebackers. I mean, it was a costly. Sure. it was a costly game for both. But I think a nice segue too from the Twitter poll is Texas. Who would they lose to? Well, they lost to Maryland. And when you yeah. look at the, the how the Big Ten came out of last weekend, obviously I did great with my pickums because I had Florida beating Michigan and that didn't happen and all kinds of good things. But Michigan wins. Purdue showed very well against Louisville. And we were trying to watch a little bit of the Purdue game during the Nebraska game, kind of going back and forth. And Purdue got hosed on a number of calls. Did Rutgers I, Honk, showed up well. What's that?
1: I was just going to ask, Honk, did I hear right that Purdue's quarterback Blau did not – not play that
0: game uh you know what i guess we didn't even have the sound on that one so i guess i didn't even pay attention to that i'm sure boomer
1: can check that for us but i i heard that on radio today anyway I'm go sure. ahead yeah it's and- just in
0: general the big 10 looked extremely well i mean they came out of yeah. this this week um you know the teams that you you expected to get blown out didn't and then michigan wins the big uh crossover one against uh, the sec opponent and and penn state blew a team out and so there's an opportunity this weekend for Nebraska to do our part against Oregon on the road, 14-point underdogs, and who cares? Go down there, and, and if we get the job done, that will do a lot to help kind of seal the what the Big Ten's doing.
1: Could be the Pac-12's first loss because I think they went 11-0 this week or something like that. So Their
0: only loss is Oregon State two weeks ago two weeks to ago. Uh, to Colorado State. That's the only loss they have to date.
2: Yeah, Hockey, how did Iowa do? I forget.
0: They, um, well, it was my lock of the week was for Wyoming to beat them and Wyoming's punter, uh, forgot to make contact with the ball with his foot. So that wasn't helpful. And then unfortunately one of our Nebraska kids that I have talked up very greatly, uh, CJ Johnson, who I still think will be a very good uh, receiver for Wyoming, but he dropped a, a touchdown pass that, uh, kind of hurt. So Josh Allen, the QB at Wyoming, he's the real deal, um, I wouldn't. I, Iowa did fine. I, I, it was the perfect nightmare that. for it hockey was Noah Fant
3: because Noah Fant, who was a Nebraska Looks kid, great. is on Iowa, beats Wyoming, the team that you know was full of Nebraska talent, and and they end up taking him down. It, was, yeah, it had to be heart wrenching on a lot of <laughs> levels.
0: But you know the Nebraska kid showed up well on both teams, and that's still that hurts no matter what you know for me. But regardless, um, it was a good win for Iowa, and and. My lock got unlocked, I guess, or however you want to say that. I still that. say
1: it should have been played in Kearney just because of that fact, right? You know?
0: I agree. I mean, we're doing all these damn neutral site things. Kearney or Grand Island somewhere in the middle there. Totally. Uh, didn't didn't the Raiders play North I don't think they would have hurt the Platt attendance once? really. Dave, didn't didn't the Raiders play in North Platte one time like fifty years ago? With the
1: Broncos, like back in like it's like fifty years ago in sixty seven, there was a preseason NFL game played in North Platte. It was a huge deal. It was the Broncos, I think, against the Raiders, yeah. And, uh, I mean, all 12,000 people came out to North Platte to see that game. But uh, that's uh, probably the, the finest example of the NFL in western Nebraska ever and only. Uh, all right, guys. Well, that's, a, that's got a big show here, man. We, and we need to, to plow through a lot of stuff here. So we got to break down the Arkansas State game. got to move forward to Oregon. Uh, have a lot of stuff to talk about through the Big Ten as well as our weekly predictions. Throw the bones, the defensive breakdown. Next on the Go Big Redcast, we are throwing the bones. Something we did not see that much on Saturday night, as Bobby D's uh, new three-four defense did struggle a little bit, uh, to say the least. You know, I've tried to talk uh, quite a few people off the off the ledge about this. Uh, obviously, the first half was. It was pretty difficult. We did actually play, I think, better in the second half. Uh, I think I was doing the numbers as I was watching the game in the south end zone. And uh, up to the uh, second to last drive of Arkansas State, we had only allowed about 130 yards and three points uh, defensively in the second half, but um, gave up a lot of yards and a whole lot of pass uh, completions to uh, Arkansas State. And so much that. That Bob Diaco actually had to work on Labor Day and uh, speak to the media about it, um, and and kind of explain uh, what was going on. So, uh, Mac, uh, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, what you saw on Saturday night and what uh, Diaco had
3: to say today? Yeah, it was interesting. It, I was actually glad that he talked today because he he kind of did explain what I thought was sort of confusing to watch on Saturday. You know, it wasn't exactly the defense that I had envisioned in my mind, even though I knew that it had been kind of kept under wraps. But uh, I kind of, in my mind, had this feeling we'd be attacking more, a little more aggressive on the uh, defensive line play, maybe the corners playing a little more press. But what we ended up getting was a lot of really repetitive bubble screen passes and, you know, five-yard little gouges and dinking and dunking. and, And it was just a very bend you could see the, the philosophy of bend don't break but we had some were playing
1: so far back
3: too oh my gosh you know crazy. i was i kept talking to nicole and like i can't see the whole defense in the picture they were so far back you could never see you know like you'd only see about six guys on the screen you know that's insane i'm like how far back are we playing it was like playing prevent
1: yeah, you know for, for really most
3: of the game
1: you had five men in the box most of the time. It felt like some of the corners were sometimes ten or fifteen yards back. Yeah, uh, Honky. I mean, I think you have a take on this too, especially just the the um, basic nature of of what was rolled out there over the over the course of the game. I mean, it was it was diff- different. That's for certain.
0: Well, I think you hit on it well with the the second half and the and the numbers actually improving. And and when you rewatch the game again, it doesn't feel as bad as the first time around in that sense in the first half uh it was i mentioned vanilla ice cream earlier and how much i like it well it was it was vanilla uh i believe there's 48 first half plays and 43 of them we were in a base defense and uh four we were in a nickel one in dime and those five uh, were all in like third and long situations but if you think about it too we tried a couple times early in the game there was one or two places where we tried to do a blitz and we'd Run off sides in one of the cases. Yeah, one of them, we right. had three linemen that were all standing up and doing kind of the Wisconsin standing thing that I mentioned last week. We probably wouldn't do a lot of, so I was wrong there. Uh, we we do have that as part of the part of the playbook, but Freedom jumped on that, um, and I think some of that. I don't know if that spooks, um, you know, Diaco a little bit that we just didn't come out real strong there. We had a great blitz from from uh, Kalu on one of the, the plays in the first half and he just completely misses on the knocking the ball down and ends up being a completion to that Edwards guy on a, on a little slant so I think Diaco tried to bring some pressure a couple of times and it just didn't come through right but most notably and I don't know if this is something we did or something Arkansas State did in the first half I believe their numbers were 13 bubble screens and in the second half that number went down to like 2 or 4 I, I can't yeah. remember I saw that on a on a tweet, so you know it's you know it's real, um, <laughs> so that kind of described a little bit of the difference there. But they made a very clear point of talking about yards versus points and the and the difference there and the importance is keeping guys off the or points off the scoreboard. And in that second half, it actually wasn't as bad as as we probably thought the first time.
3: Yeah, the, yeah uh, the, the, I'm sorry, ahead. but I was going to say... And that, that's kind of what he went into in his press conference today, too, was that he didn't care so much about the yards, and there were nine points kind of given up, not by the defense. And, you know, the adjustments... Or, or The whole idea was, with these young cornerbacks, you know, seeing their first significant game action against big wide receivers, and who on film showed a real tendency to go deep a lot, you know, the whole idea was, we're not going to get beat by those big plays and i mean they clearly weren't you know the 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 biggest play was what a 29 yard pass and that came after a a missed tackle so that would have been you know i think it was like 14 yards of yak after that the biggest run was oh i don't want to say 16 somewhere in that range not a huge run and again that was after a broken tackle too so so the big plays were contained which was you know obviously the philosophy but then you know it's a football game. You know, every part matters. You 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 get a safety after an interception and then you have to give the ball back up. I mean, it's a team sport. You know, you 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 get a stop and then you punt return for a touchdown. It's you know, and that's how it works. There was a couple opportunities for the offense to put this team away, and that would have probably changed a little bit of the game itself. So, I mean, it I thought his explanation made sense. I'm not going to say that was totally satisfying even in theory, but you know, um yeah, I've also heard the theory that we're holding a whole bunch back for Oregon, and I find that to be a, just a very entertaining philosophy. I don't know, Matthew, what do you think about that honk? Michael. Well,
0: I'm not sure how much you can keep holding back. I, it, I'm sure we held some things back, whatever. But, uh, you know, Riley said coming into the season, I mentioned on, on last week's show, there were two things that were very important to him. said 94% of Big Ten teams win the game when they run for more than the opponent, and when they win the turnover battle. And in this week, you know, that's something, this works both ways, offense and defense, but we ran for 225 yards, and we held them to 82 rushing yards. That doesn't get talked enough about because of all the passing, but we held them to 82 rushing yards. We had a 2-0 lead on the, uh, on the turnover margin, and, you know, the game... As bad as it felt at times, it really wasn't a seven-point game. I mean, it probably felt more like a fourteen to seventeen-point game, and it got away. They had some great special team. Think that onside kick was awesome, but but I think we're okay.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm they, dying to die, I'm sorry. hold on, Mac. I'm just, okay. I, I'm, I'm dying to talk about some of the the offense actually. Uh, but I mean, just because of of how that played into how the defense performed in the fourth quarter, but before we get there, I I, I just I want to like think a little bit more about the three-four defense and the the Diaco defense in particular, or the Nebraska defense, as he would say it, and and think about our, what what do we learn from this performance and what we're going to expect going forward uh, in the bend but don't break type mentality because we did actually stopped them in the red zone a couple of different times, right? I mean, we had the INT and and whatnot, and that, that played into us actually keeping them out of uh, the end zone uh, or, or scoring points in the second half until the last four minutes. Uh, do we – I mean, should we be bracing as Husker fans to expect a lot of that where we're going to give up quite a bit of yardage but keep them out of uh,
3: the end zone? I think a lot of that will depend on the opponent – you know, and how they choose to attack us. Because I think a team that likes to throw a lot, you know, we could be suspect of that. You know, Arkansas State kind of just proved that. But I don't know that a team could just run. We, we looked pretty good on our run fits. And I know this is an Arkansas State, and it wasn't a – and we weren't ter- to be honest, we weren't tested that much. They threw a lot, you know. So they didn't really try to press against the run game to see what they could do. But um, I don't think Diaco has any problem with giving up some yards in the middle as long as he's not giving up big plays and points. And the other thing I thought, the tackling, there were a few missed tackles, but I felt like Lamar Jackson tackled really well. Um, for the most part, I thought the whole team tackled pretty well, which was kind of a concern. You know, I think we all had a little bit, based on how much they tend to scrimmage or actually tackle to the ground during during fall camp. So I thought those were good signs. And, um, you know, I guess I'm not going to talk about the offense right now, but... The running back, the running back. I was going to say running backs, but the running back took contact pretty well too. Mm-hmm. So, it's true. you know, there um, there were definitely positives. Some of the young guys played pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. Barry. Nobody was nobody was ever truly truly beat. I saw some guys running around a little confused on their drops. Alex Davis. I don't know. I, to be honest, I need to rewatch a lot of the defensive line play. But the, the young kid, Thomas. Oh my goodness, that kid's got some pop. He can really, you know, and I'm not knocking Stoltenberg. They're both they both have a role in this defense. But man, you watch him get his hands on the on the center, and he brings him in, and he pushes him off, and it's sudden. And that's a freshman. I mean, that kid looks that kid looks strong. So there are, there are spots on the defense. You know, Mo Berry making some plays. There's a bunch of spots on the defense where I feel like, you know, we've got some players in there, and it, it might be a situation where as as trust and confidence grows in Diaco in his team we might let him loose a little bit more i don't know um but you know if mission accomplished was to have more points than they did at the end of the game then i guess mission accomplished
0: yeah i i'll go back to what we've said multiple times there's no excuses and we're not going to i'm not going to make any excuses here i will say for what arkansas state what you thought they were going to do coming with five fresh offensive linemen they were smart they weren't going to try to sit there in a pocket and and take forever and get get you know destroyed by blitzers in, in our D line. They got rid of the ball quick and they were able to do that. They have a good QB. I mean, he was a an Oklahoma recruit transfer and they had they used Edwards. We talked about him last week, the receiver that was the Arkansas transfer. So they had some good players, but namely they were able to get the ball get rid of it very quickly. Okay. So what are one of the things that we can start to do as we get more comfortable with those corners, we can bring them up and I I no excuses, but it would have been interesting to see Chris Jones out there. We didn't have him. So what you're doing is you're bringing in a couple of youngsters. These are guys that we have a lot of talent there. Lee and, and Jackson were the, the highest-ranked recruits out of their respective uh, uh, recruiting classes. So they're going into week two. I expect to start seeing them come up. And I don't think Oregon's going to sit there and just get rid of the ball as quick as Arkansas State did either. I think Oregon's going to try to test us. They'll try to, you know, and in the process of trying to test us, that gives us more opportunities to get to them, get to the QB, and and you know, they, it's not going to be just throwing sixty-eight passes against Oregon. I think that it's it's going to be a different type of game being played, and I think we will be more aggressive. And uh, and so I I don't want to I don't want us to to I don't want people getting too overworked about what they just saw on Saturday. Sure. You know, there's there's a lot of football to be played from that.
1: I mean, do you feel like uh, that Jackson and, and Lee actually I mean, really learned a lot from this experience, or is this something that really isn't transferable to like Big Ten games? Right, because to your point, we're not going to see Iowa or Wisconsin throw the ball 68 times, right? I mean, Arkansas State. I don't. I don't think uh, Riley brought Diaco in to stop the Arkansas State offense, right? I mean, he. He's there to, to solve Big Ten offenses. I mean, or but at the same time, I mean, I guess maybe my question maybe is a better question is like, what did we actually see in a, as an adjustment in the second half to, Honky, your point of actually seeing those bubble screens decrease to actually change Arkansas State's approach a, against what we were doing?
3: Well, I will say, you know, in terms of maybe what these corners got out of this game, is they were absolutely in the action almost 90% of the time on oh, defense, sheesh. you know. And a lot of a lot of experience now trying to shed in blocks, and shedding blocks off of big wide receivers, big strong guys, you know. So that kind of stuff will come in super valuable. Plus, I thought they both looked really willing, maybe not so very good every time about getting off contact, but they weren't, they weren't losing because of effort or because they were shy of contact. So that, I thought that was a good sign. You know, adjustment-wise, I think probably just staying more disciplined in their lanes and getting over help getting over quicker. Um, But you know, that's 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 a kind of offense that you're just gonna if you're not gonna take anything, if you're not gonna allow them to get deep, then you're gonna have to accept getting chewed up a little bit in the middle until the field shrinks up behind you and you can defend that way. I mean, that, that and that just seemed to be exactly what we were planning on doing. You know, with the exception of them either making a mistake or us making a play. You know, we were going to accept some yards between the twenties, and then, and then really short up, when, you know, inside the red zone. Sometimes it happened, sometimes it didn't. Yep.
0: Yep. I mean, we can beat up on the defense. We we can't have sixty-eight passes and games and and, and four hundred plus yards and all that. But at the end of the day, uh, Justin Hansen, Arkansas State's QB, he had a sixty-one point eight QB rating. That compare that to Tanner Lee's seventy-four percent. He had two sure. interceptions. Those are things that that that. And they had 25 offensive points, and 25 is too many, right? 25 is too many. So they're but but start from that as the baseline. That if we're at 25 points, and if we're getting two interceptions in a game, and we're getting some knockdowns of passes, and not every team is going to sit there and try to attack us the way that Arkansas State did. I I I'm actually okay with where we started from.
1: Sure, you know, and maybe I'll I'll bring Boomer in here a little bit too, though. Uh, he was at the game w- with me actually, and as as a, just a common fan, you watch that and, and you ask your, ask yourself, why wouldn't someone else try to attack us like Arkansas State? Because uh, in one of our previous shows, Honk, you mentioned you know that the three four needs to get you in a, a down and distance on third downwards. You know, you know they're going to excel at third and eight, right? You want to. You want to win first and second, uh, so you can can go after the quarterback on third down. Well, in this scenario, they were picking up five to eight yards on every single first down play. It felt like, and so as an average fan boomer, what are you thinking when you're watching that game and you're watching Arkansas stages move down the field on simple, you know, route passing. You know, uh, it's very simple offense there, and you knew they were going to do the same thing over and over again.
2: Well, it it does feel kinda of disheartening. It it kinda of touches on things we've talked about before. Um, when we talk about rushing games and you know, always we always like the the running game that just can't be stopped when you can do the same thing over and over again and the yeah. other team can't stop it, that kinda of becomes demoralizing, you know, regardless of what happens. And I think It was demoralizing. Of, it felt That's that way, point. especially considering the the hype that I think there kinda of was with the, you know, Diaco Mania here towards the the end of the fall camp and People talking up the the three four and kind of what they were seeing out of it, and the buy-in from the players. Uh, you know, hockey brought up another good point. What are, what other teams are going to be capable of doing this on our schedule? I mean, is Illinois going to be able to have this kind of a passing game against us? I don't know. Probably not. Uh, there are teams that probably would be able to do this if they choose to do so. Um, you know, they'd have a decent quarterback and the line and and the receivers to do this kind of game if they felt like doing it. So that. Could theoretically be a problem, but uh, we'll kind of see going forward on it. And I think McGuire, just kind of in a nutshell again, it felt demoralizing. I, but McGuire brought up a great point about how this is a team game, and I think that that key point in this game, which really made us just made it feel worse than it was, was the uh, after the safety, the offense gets the ball back and goes three and outs with uh, one of them being a pass, so we don't even chew up really that much clock. And then Lightborn probably has his worst punt of the day, you know, like I think it was 35 yards or so, and Arkansas State gets the ball at the 37. You know, we were yeah. up, uh, what, 43 to 29, I think, at that point. I and mean, if we're That's able great. to chew up just multiple minutes, uh, Arkansas State's touchdown drive took like 12 plays or something like that, like three and a half minutes. They could easily have run out of time, you know, just trying to score with our little, you know, bend don't break philosophy or whatever we want to call it now. And honestly it's kind of one of those weird quirks, but if you win a game forty three to twenty nine, does that really look that bad on paper? Do you feel feel would people feel bad about that? I mean it's a seven point difference between that and forty three to thirty six, but it just kinda of seems like a, a wider a wider finish there. And we really would have kept Arkansas State, you know, from really not scoring much at all that second half. And I think that was kind yeah. of
1: a I mean perception yeah. versus reality. Yeah. And I absolutely. think we can dive deep into that offense. Uh, here in just a, a few minutes here. Mac, uh, Honky, you want to wrap this up with anything? Yeah, I'll just
0: I'm, I'll just say with the, the demoralizing part of it, I think that when they really get to watch the film of it and they realize how much they actually gave up, you know, point-wise and everything, there is a difference between, you know, they were getting six to eight yards on first downs, but again, that's between the 20s. Once they got down to that red zone, there weren't a lot of points being scored off of all of those yards. If they threw for 415. If a team runs for 415, that's demoralizing because you can't stop a team that's running for 415 yards. You I don't know. Ask, ask Tennessee tonight. I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah. But typically, you're not going to be able to stop that team once you get into the red into the red zone. And once they got into the red zone, the defense, you know, I think there is that bend and break a little bit in the 20s between the 20s. That's a bit of a of a tough thing to watch sometimes. Uh, but I I think that we will improve upon. On some of that, I think we'll be getting those corners as they get more comfortable. They're going to be moving up. We're not going to be just gimmeing some of those, those catches. And I don't think it's going to be as demoralizing. I think we're going to gain more from this game against Arkansas State than Oregon's going to gain by putting 77 up on Southern Utah. That's that's what I think ultimately is going to come out of it.
3: So then I have a question: with his game plan. Is that what you think people have more of a problem with, is his actual game plan? Or do you think it was more of the execution of his game plan? Because with the exception of a few broken plays and then, you know, nine points from the uh, that weren't attributed to the defense, you could have argued that that defensive game plan worked pretty well. But it doesn't seem like, you know, it wasn't very fun I, to watch.
1: Sure, Mac. I, I can tell you from the north end or south end zone uh, the people behind me were like, why don't they put someone out there to cover yeah. that guy, right? I mean, that's the initial response is like, right. what are they doing playing 15 yards back? They know they're going to do that same thing over and over again. And we're not
0: blitzing, and we're just rushing three on so many exactly. plays. That's but, the let's, vanilla, but let's that's say, say the we don't part.
3: give up those. But that but was if, the game plan. If, right, but let's say we don't give up those nine extra points. Like Mike was saying, seven points makes a huge difference. So let's say we don't give up those nine points. That the defense didn't give up, how much better sure. that score looks, and how much better his his game plan actually looks, you know. But I but I understand. I totally understand that it. it looks like we're not adjusting, because that's what it looks like. It looks like why aren't we adjusting? When the reality is, no, we're going to let that happen this whole game until yeah. it gets down to here. So yeah. what it looks like you're not adjusting is really more like, nope, we're sticking to our game plan. You are not going to beat us deep. We've got young corners. We're going to protect them, and, it's, and you know. If you miss a tackle, that's one thing. But, you know, as far as like where my guys are when it's time to make a play, I've got them in positions to make plays. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I can understand people's frustration on one hand, which is why I think it was good that Diaco came out and talked today and maybe why he should consider talking on game day about what his philosophy was because once he did it, made a lot of sense to me and i'm like okay well yeah i can see that and he could have he could have diffused a lot and hopefully that's one thing he can take away you know if, yep. if you if people haven't picked up on this yet bobby diaco is an intense dude the guy <laughs> is on it's not a joke this is how he lives his life so you know i i, I love the guy he's perfect for defense but i but you know, there's there's things we're gonna have to accept about him. Yeah. What do you think, Honky?
0: Uh, I'll just I'll put an end kinda to the I know we gotta move on to the offense, but I'll I'll talk about uh I'll just say I hate to say another week, wait another week to, to find out more, but I really believe wait a week. We'll know a lot more about this defense after we play Oregon. And I think we'll know a little bit more about Arkansas State after they host Miami this weekend. And if they go out and Lay a dud and put up zero points, we could say, oh, that that's not very good. But if they put up thirty-five or forty on Miami and 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 we can help shut down Oregon and and, and win the game by at least one, I think uh, we'll pretty quickly, you know, forget any issues we had off of week one.
3: Yeah,
1: good point. I, I think we're definitely going to have uh, Miami, Arkansas State as one of our uh, our game picks. So, all right, let's uh, let's call that a a segment on throwing the bones. Scoring Explosion, the offensive breakdown. We are diving into scoring explosion, breaking down the offense against Arkansas State. Uh, you know, I, there's a lot of positives uh, to talk about that offensive performance. It, maybe it wasn't perfect, but uh, I think we did see what uh, Riley has been striving for for uh, going on now three years, and that is balance. Uh that was a balanced offensive performance. Uh, we had a run game that was effective. Uh, we had a featured back with Trey Bryant. And we had a quarterback in Tanner Lee that uh, made a lot of, a lot of throws uh, and a couple of beautiful TD passes. Uh, Honky, uh, you've been a, uh, someone who's questioned the term balance before. Uh, what do you uh, see on Saturday night with uh, Riley and Langsdorff's uh, offense?
0: Well, I saw balance. <laughs> you know, we had 30, <laughs> all right. I got it right. Sweet. We had thirty-two passes for two hundred and thirty-eight yards. We had thirty-eight runs for two hundred and twenty-five. So there was good balance there, and I think there's a lot of positives as, as you pointed out that that you can come from the game. Uh, all fall camp, we had talked about the lack of a running back separating himself or having a workhorse back. And I'll tell you what, Bryant certainly looked like he would separated himself. 31 carries for 192 yards. That's the most most carries that uh, any back has had under Riley through through the three years now. Uh, we also had a 100-yard receiver in Morgan.
1: Hey, Honk, could I pause you for a second? Mm-hmm. Boomer, can you look up uh, Riley's uh, Oregon State running back stats if we have anybody close to 31 carries uh, with the Beavers? Yeah, I'll do a little digging uh, quick. Yeah.
3: I would, look, I would start with kids walk. That was my runners. first guess.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'd love to mm-hmm. see those numbers, though. All right, Honk, go ahead.
0: Well, and I was just going to mention that, you know, Morgan had the 100 yards receiving, and that's the guy that we expect yeah. to have 100 yards receiving in a game. Do that 12 times, and we have our 1,000 yard receiver. And obviously, Lee, I, you know what I like? There was a lot of hype about him. There, there will continue to be a lot of hype about him. I thought he played really well on Saturday night. It wasn't outstanding. It wasn't, 400 yards passing, but it was efficient. It was good. It was 19 of 32. I like those numbers, 32 passes. That's that's a number yeah, I'd rather right. see that than 45. And uh, and his QB rating, 74.2. That was above the the opponent's 61.8. So I like that. And in a little bit here, I'll probably break down a, a bit of the, uh, the scripted plays, the first drive or two. But I really like some of the personnel that we were doing. The formations that we were showing them, I don't. It was pretty vanilla. I think overall we were pretty vanilla, but we gave a lot of things. We showed a lot of things, and that's what I was hoping for. I, I talked about that last week. We showed a lot of things without doing a lot of different types of trick plays and crazy things. But we showed a lot. So I we'll get into that in a little bit. But but uh, all in all, hard to not be very happy uh, coming off of that first game offensively.
1: Yeah. I was counting the uh, the formations there because of what you said last week, and I mean it was it was multiple. There's no doubt about that. Uh, a lot of a lot of double tight sets, and then then wide outs and everything in between. It was it was very multiple.
3: Uh, Mac, your initial thoughts? You know, it was it, to be honest with you, I really felt like this was about exactly how I it should look when it's working the way i pictured it and i know that how that that sounds but i seriously thought okay with an efficient quarterback and i don't think tanner lee was playing very well but he was not trying to be a hero he was very much working within the offense you know he yeah. didn't he didn't force any balls for the most part a couple times he got out of the pocket and he threw some maybe questionable balls but it's his first game in 600 odd days you know i'm going to forgive a little bit of that and 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 the fact is he settled down and played a lot smoother so so with a quarterback not trying to be a hero, and a and a sophomore running back kind of coming into his own, you know the tight end play was there. We had a big play with with our big time wide receiver, and that's just cool to see. Stanley Morgan's supposedly our best wide receiver, and Stanley Morgan goes out and has our best wide receiver game. That's cool to see. Demorne Pearsonell. Falls in second, and I'd say he probably had the second best game, and some plays called back on him, too. You know, his stats could have been oh, even better. He was
1: so close.
3: And, you know, the freshman, the, you know, the red, for, red shirt freshman, yeah. Spielman, yeah. oh my oh, goodness. Great. great debut. Great debut, and you can just, you can see they're scratching the surface with these guys. And then Tyjon Lindsay gets his feet wet, didn't blow anybody away, but the fact is, he's in the game plan, they're using him. You know, the, all these guys. It's funny, too, because the wide receivers got a ton of different reps and looks and everything like that. You know, they work through the freshmen. They work through the seniors, even the tight ends. Um, but the running backs, they stuck with one guy for the most part until he got tired. Trey yeah. Bryant, you know, all this talk, you know, how are we going to do the quattro back? Are we going to do the, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, how many, how many different guys are going to get carries? How are we going to split this up? Well, Trey Bryant turns out is a little bit of a hoodwinker. The guy, the guy owns the spot, and I think, quite frankly, justifiably.
0: Well, that doesn't surprise he, us at all, does it, Mac? We talked about that at the spring, at the coaches' clinic. We talked about it that we didn't get to see him in fall camp, but we wouldn't be surprised. To what the
3: Coaches were saying though, yeah, he, ba- I, I, we both, yeah, we both expressed the thought that he's probably the guy. I just it felt like he was the guy. It, you know, when when uh, with the van, was talking about him. We know what we have in Trey Bryant. But, but you know what, Riley also mentioned in the press conference, it's not because we don't trust our backups. And Wilbon got in there, scored a touchdown, looked pretty good. And I, it's too bad Devine didn't get in, because I think Devine is, is poised to have a pretty good year. I think that'll happen again. What I really think they were doing with the running back position is they wanted to see what happens when they let Trey have the whole game. Can we count on this guy? Do we have the, Do we have the you know the 30 carry guy in the stable and we do and we know that now so now we don't have to do that to him every week now we can go 22 carries and bring some other guys in and at the you know at the end of the half and did the, the game to keep him fresh so you know it's, it's a win for those guys he traced trey stayed healthy he stayed relevant you know he didn't put the ball on the ground at all no turnovers on the yeah, offense was fantastic yeah. Yeah. you know that, that on the first game go ahead dave
1: No, I was just wondering, do you feel like... I I remember reading uh, Trey's uh, uh, comments after the game and talking about how getting in that rhythm was so important because he was able to, after doing the same play a couple different times and seeing the defense react to the block, essentially, he was able to start to cut back uh, and, and read that defense better because of the ability to get into that rhythm. Something that we haven't seen the last couple of years, really.
3: No, and that's a good point, too, because... I really think one of his better qualities is his his what you could just call it feel. He's got a really good sense of where the soft spots are on the defense. And he's pretty sudden for what seems to be a big back. He runs a little tall and I think that's I I I hope that doesn't set him up for a big hit down the road. But man, he is agile for as high as he runs. He is, his feet are great. A bit so he goes into contact right. well. But and he shows explosion throughout his run. Now his his breakaway speed. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was a little disappointed with that, but I feel like uh, I'm not going to judge it yet. It was the first game. Uh, he's getting some prime time carries for the first time. He could have been a little tired, but man, I, I liked his game a lot. I had no problem with how we used him. So.
1: uh I, I'll let you uh, wax poetic on Trey Bryant too, but maybe add a little bit on the offensive line there. What do you think about their performance and their, their blocking for our running backs?
0: I think it was it was good. Uh, it's not perfect, uh, and there are certainly plays. Uh, you know, Farmer whiffed on a on a couple of blocks there. One of them I think led to a was that the safety, and I know yeah. we definitely had safety. a sack. But you know, we can and we can pinpoint individual bad plays, but but that's not fair also to look at the good ones. And, Mac, you mentioned earlier that the Lee's deep ball to uh, Morgan, the touchdown. That was a great play across the board. It was based off of the run. It was a play action. The, the blocking between the backs and the line, holy smokes, there wasn't a guy within five yards of, of Lee when he throws it. And then that pass that Lee makes is a pass that we haven't seen a Husker QB make in that stadium in a long time and that's just that's one nice example point. but there were some great runs that we had um when i broke down the uh the first two drives that we had one of them led to the field goal and the other one was a basically a three in and out three and out for a punt but uh when i broke those those two drives down in 10 plays or 11 plays we had 10 different formations we did that basically out of the same form, uh, personnel for the most part. I think eight of the plays or, let's see, or six of the plays were out of 12 formation. And when you hear guys say that 12 formation, the one is one running back, the two is two tight ends. Uh, so we were in 11 personnel for three of the times. That's one running back, one wide receiver. And we were in 21 personnel one time, which is two backs and one tight end. When we got into the two-back uh, the two back set, the fullback basically ended up playing the same type of role as a tight end did, so they they were kind of interchangeable. When you hear that H back kind of thing, we would have a line a, a, a fullback lined up in the same spot that a tight end was, and we were pulling guys. Uh, my gosh, we ran the same play two times. Where one of them we were just it looked like we were zone blocking. The next time we're pulling the backside guard and the center. We pulled fullbacks. I mean, there was a lot going on on those plays. And like I said, for no, if nothing else, there's a lot for Oregon to prepare for. And I can see how Bryant, in 31 carries and running some of the exact same plays five, six, seven times, but having it run out of different looks, I can see how he adjusted to the game or how he got better because he could see how something was opening up or adjusting to how we were blocking it a little differently. Absolutely. And so, uh, I, I was pleasantly pleased with the with the with the O line. To be honest with you, I didn't. It's always easy to pick on those one or two major issues. Our major plays yeah. where something breaks down, hear, but yeah. on the whole, well, yeah, I thought let's we not did forget. well.
3: Yeah, let's not forget about this outstanding pass rusher they had on that team that we kept hearing about all week. Yeah. Are we going to yeah. contain this guy? I mean, what would they have one sack? Yeah, and two, and and I
1: think so. Yeah,
0: and a three hundred and twenty five pound Alabama transfer who has the greatest defensive line name in the history of college football, D Liner. Yeah, you know that <laughs> D Love. I mean, th-
1: he was boring. I should be a, a, a rapper
0: <laughs> that was a that was the strength of their defense. and I thought again, we were very efficient running the ball five point nine yards to carry. that's
3: absolutely I'll take you, Tanner it. you could I'm sorry, I was just going to say a little bit about Tanner. you know he did a good job of getting rid of the ball pretty well. He rolled out a few times and he threw back a couple of times questionably, but but he did a pretty good job of getting rid of the ball. It's kind of like what we had heard him been doing all camp which is nice to see you know it, it feels like and I was you know I was talking to people I was watching the game like when the running game I kept saying you know gosh it feels like Trey's gonna break one you could just kind of tell he was really close on a few just a couple nicks here and a one more decisive cut there and then he finally did kind of break one so I was right which was awesome and then Tanner you know <laughs> when Tanner Lee so- he's stepping back and he's getting into this rhythm and you can start telling when he starts hitting that back foot and throwing it you know, these guys are going to grow. This is their first game. I mean, think about that, guys. It's uh, true. Hoppus, Spielman, Tajan getting their first big-time minutes ever yeah. together. I mean, and this is a new 90, quarterback, 000, too. Sure. You know, so there's a lot of growth potential here, and I didn't think it was too bad to start with. So I'm a, I'm really encouraged on that. But, I mean, obviously there were some there were some issues on the offense, too, no doubt.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's a few missed throws out there. I I think – one of them that I think was a missed throw, or actually probably a drop, actually by Hoppus, was we got a field goal to start the game, and that should have been a touchdown. Oh, to for like, sure, Dave. Oh right? yeah. Uh, now the 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 actual touchdown, the throw to Stanley, was just beautiful. I mean, that was just that's what you wanted to see from from Tanner Lee from the so satisfying. Game. I mean oh, wasn't
3: that such a satisfying yeah. play to perfect. actually see it in the first game everything you heard about this guy he actually drops a dime from yeah. the 50 to the end zone to our best player. I mean tell me that didn't feel great. I'm like oh uh, my felt goodness. Great. You know I it. it was it, I haven't felt that good since like team magic blew up against Washington and sprinted all over them. <laughs> you know it was like cool. oh this is fun to watch. <laughs> And we had thir- we had cool.
0: thirty-two minutes and eighteen seconds of time of possession, and that's with a ninety-nine yard kickoff return added in yeah. there. So, you know, basically a lost possession there. Um, you could say they had the let's... the punt return. But the point is, if we can have some time of possession, if we can run the ball the way that we ran it, and that's opening up some of the play action that we had, I like that's a great start.
1: So so let's talk about that a little bit. Uh uh, and maybe Boomer, you might want to want to jump on this because you love clock management and play calling clock management in particular. Uh, in the fourth quarter, we had a couple of drives there that I think we could have iced the game and not had the situation that we had, which was a last second uh, attempt from the 11 yard line to tie the game. And we were not able to convert on, on third down in the fourth quarter. Uh, At least, I think both, I think maybe both third downs were were throws. We didn't run the clock out like we probably could have. It wasn't as bad as some of the uh, uh, situations with Riley in year one, uh, but it still felt like um, uh, a couple missed throws or maybe a different play call in the fourth quarter could have had a very different end result uh, because we were at 43 29, and literally, if we could just have converted a third down or two in the fourth quarter and scored one more touchdown we're looking at a 50 to 29 game you know oh yeah and that's kind of what i'd mentioned
2: earlier when we were talking defense it's just that that the one series that you mentioned after that safety i mean we could have iced that game and or just even chewed up more clock and they wouldn't have been able to get that long three and a half minute drive again it's a little worrisome that was an issue with riley you know a few times already in his past just making some uh Questionable decisions when it comes to clock management late in games. So you hope that was just a fluke this this week, and it's been taken Can we care of. Just have a grad assistant
1: yeah. be the clock I've, manager. I have volunteered
2: my services to a great many programs in the past. You know, whether it's guys like uh, you know Les Miles or anyone like that, for a very minimal salary, I will sit there and just watch the clock for you and tell you what to do. So it, it doesn't seem like it would be that difficult, but uh, so just many programs the can't clock handle it. Another
1: minute, yeah, and. The onside never happened. Well, exactly. they would have have thrown the ball down the field more. They couldn't have dink and dunked it the whole way down. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy, but it just seems to be a challenge. It's kind of frustrating, and again, it just plays into that whole offense defense all working together. And uh, Uh oh, I was just going to get back to your uh, Oregon State rushing. I haven't.
1: Oh yeah, fire away.
2: Haven't completely uh, scanned through the entire Riley area at Oregon State. The most recent time I can have with. Oregon State Beaver, uh, carrying the ball more than 30 times a game, was in, let's see, what year would this have been? 2011, I think it was, with uh, Malcolm Agnew, carried the ball 33 times against Sacramento State. That was a losing effort, I, so we won't go into that. But, uh,
1: they yeah. lost to Sac State.
2: Yeah, and, and that was in overtime, so it's hard to say how many carries he had in overtime, which could have changed things. Uh Let's see. Uh, Rodgers did have uh, two games that I noticed where he carried the ball over thirty times. One of those was a double overtime game where they lost to Washington.
3: Just kind of scanning, Are you saying thirty carries by the by the starting tailback. or yes. thirty attempts. That's, that's by the starting oh, okay. tailback. Yeah, which is yeah, I thirty thought carries an for. attempt for a game is pretty high. Yeah, most of the for time he's sure absolutely. Yeah, he...
1: but Trey did did do thirty one times right. for
3: one ninety two. So I was just no 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 no. no. I see what you're saying, Curry. but I thought if you were looking up past running backs who averaged 30 carries for the season. Oh, that would be pretty hard to find. Right, right. Yeah, so that the last, be but the last one Almost who had a 30-carry game. For Riley. The Riley yeah, was, that's the best I could find
2: right now.
0: 2011.
2: Just kind of okay. s- scanning his uh, some of the game stats and the box scores, it's kind of amazing how many guys he has touched the ball in a running in a running play. A, a lot of times you're getting five or six, seven people having rushing attempts in a game. So usually he's been for spreading sure. well, it out. Wide a receivers, Yeah, wide receivers run a lot of Yeah. Reverses and the yeah. like, so yeah, definitely a little, yeah. a little away yeah, from I think type, that'll I think hold true for
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that'll hold true for us too. I mean, if you look at this last game, you know, with DeMorne getting it, uh, JD would have got one. Yep. Um. So Divine not Divine, but uh, Mikkel and then M- Trey, McNick got one. McNick mm-hmm. got one. So I mean, and that's pretty minimal, actually, considering we could have rotated at least a, two more running backs in there. And I'd say Tyjon Lindsey's a lock to get a carry before the season's oh, over. Sure. You know, I mean that's and that's the thing. I love I love the concept of this offense when it's working like that. And my goodness, it looks like we've got all the tools. And if and if Danny gets to tinker and Tanner's delivering and we're protecting him, you know, one more one more side note, and I, I hate to digress but Tanner did take a <laughs> yes, couple good shots yesterday and yeah. and my man got up pretty strong you know he didn't even get rattled it was good to see him take those shots and i bet it was good for him too because the last time he got hit hard he broke his hand so it was it was nice to see him get up and he competed well and now we need to not let that happen the rest of the year so <laughs>
1: <laughs> protect the quarterback right
3: that's the truth
1: all right, guys, anything else on Scoring Explosion?
2: Uh, I just kind of wanted to touch base on something else I brought up last week, the just watching the difference in special teams. Oh, Again, yeah. we talked about that a little bit last week, how important that was going to be in a change. Oh, and I, I think overall, I mean, would you guys say you're pleased with the special teams? I think we saw improvements. I mean, Lightborn's punts are, I think, noticeably better. His average was about three or four yards better than his you know season average was last year, and he did pin them deep a couple times, so that was a plus. One did get returns, but... I think that could
3: have been a, a tackle. Yeah, we, yeah, a lot, we should have had that one. A lot better, eh? Yeah, oh, I, I feel uh, like yeah, he weighed. I thought he looked great. Actually, oh, yeah. I, I'm surprised they're not talking more about that. But a no, you right, the Michael. 10s. Yeah, yeah, and really Drew Brown punch. was
2: getting touchbacks quite a bit, hey. so that was. I thought that was successful, and
0: I thought so there that was, was it was a game of extremes with our special teams because we had some very good yeah. things go on and some very bad things. But I think they were all things that that really were good for us to go through and experience in week one drew brown there had some great kickoffs had one or two at least one that went out of bounds kick one out of bounds G- can't have yeah. that we have the punt return which was kind of unfortunate the way it bounced around but hey it's still something to work on and then you you re- you follow that up with a, a, just an awesome kickoff return wasn't that great to see the onside mm-hmm. kick that they had against us that was an outstanding kicked Onside kick. I mean, that is... Yeah, I'd love to the hear thing. more
1: about that, Honk. I, I, I was trying to figure out what was happening. It felt like we didn't go after the ball as strong as we should have, but apparently it really had a really funky bounce there. Is it was right? a
3: perfect hop. And it was Demorney that it went over. Yeah. demorney has got crazy hops. And it's not like he didn't time it right. He high-pointed it. The kick was perfect. So he's high-pointed, and everybody's blocking for him. It goes over him, and it was just... it was. I'm, it was going to be hard to defend I, at that point. It yeah. was a free for all. I just think it. You was, know, so, so yeah, go ahead. I
0: just think it was a lot of good things to prepare us for that. I don't know that everybody in week one gets prepared for. The other thing that, that I want to touch on, and we talked about it last week, and it's specifically why I want to touch on it. Did you notice the first punt return? I think it bounced out of bounds, but the first punt return, we yep. have two guys back
3: there: Morgan I and saw DP. That. And that I even touched on. The on the hockey, cast, so. That was awesome. That's what happens. The red cast makes a difference. We have power listen, obviously.
1: You know, and
0: and, and to that point, I don't recall too many punts that they had that went over our head or bounced for 30 yards. So, again, if we can have field position, if we can have time of possession, if we can run the football, if we can throw the ball off of that run with play action and all that, if we can do those things and we're distributing the ball to a lot of different guys, I like what we're doing on offense, and that's going to be our best friend when we're playing in Oregon that's going right. to want to have 90 plays against us like arkansas state just did and i think yeah, we'll make the improvements right. on defense but that offense can help us out a lot that way and 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 not to beat up on the offense too bad but it failed us at the very end of this last game and we addressed <laughs> it, it It failed but you failed it me. failed us in that in that to, to end the game and that's an area that needs to improve but but overall damn pleased with that offense
3: yeah, yeah, I just think the glimpse of what it can be is very exciting. I'm I'm, I'm pumped about that. I really feel like uh, if it there's a bu- there, we left a lot on the field, you know. So and that encourages me about how much better we can be. You know, there was just like like you said, Dave, with Hoppus dropping a ball. I felt like there was another play that that was really close to being perfect. So I mean, there's a, we left on we left some points on the field, which encourages me, and I think defensively. Uh, we gave away some points that we shouldn't have, you know, with the you know, the punt return and the uh. Yeah, it's true. And you know, special teams wise too. It was it was interesting. It was a real mixed bag between you know you know, Drew Brown's kicks were you know, were amazing and then he kicks one kick off out of bounds, which is crazy. He's never done that before. You know, but otherwise brilliant. And then Caleb looked great. Uh the punt return or the, the you know the punt coverage return. That was unfortunate. What kind of one of those broken plays that can sometimes happen on you? It was just, it was just one of those games, and it was the first game, so no big deal. We won the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they could definitely get better. All right, guys, I think that's uh, that's a throw in the bones plus special teams right there. So let's uh, wrap that up, and we'll be coming back with Scarlet Colored Glasses.
0: You're listening to the Go
1: Big Redcast, and now Scarlet Colored Glasses. And we're back on the Go Big Redcast, and I believe it is trivia time. Trivia time. right,
2: what do you got? All right. This question was suggested by, or actually was asked by a loyal podcast listener, Brad. Uh, He asked, uh, when is the last time Nebraska has been a double-digit underdog to a non-conference foe? Nebraska is currently, I believe, a 14-point underdog to Oregon. Uh, The line moved pretty quickly in Oregon's favor, so I asked that question. 14 points. When is the last time Nebraska was a double-digit underdog to a regular-season non-conference foe? Regular season. Right.
3: I have, I'm going to immediately jump to USC. Yeah, But i you know, oh, think. I don't think yeah. oh 07. Like I'd a, say
0: oh 06 because oh 07 was the home game here, and we were ranked in the yeah. teens or whatever, so the corn versus wow. porn. My guess is oh 06 out at um, – at, well, let's just make sure that there's nothing – between, you know, the Virginia Tech. What about West- Virginia Tech? Well, you win
3: Washington.
0: Well, So so the way to break this down is it's non-conference, so who have been our home and aways moving backwards from, from Oregon? You had Miami the two years prior to that. Yeah. Prior to Miami would have been UCLA. Prior to UCLA would have been Washington. Prior to that would have been so Tech, Prior to that would have been USC. No. I can't imagine USC, any USC. of those between USC yeah. and now. I'm going to say – Yeah, it had to be USC. I'll say 06, USC.
1: And, you're certain with USC that it was double dudger? That
0: I'm, is my final. I'm answer. not certain. I just think that that's makes as much sense as as any I mean, I think 06 out at the at the Coliseum would have been it. If
1: it's not if it's not USC in 06 it has to
3: go way back. I Holy smokes. That's all uncomfortable and speculating, correct? And, and
0: yeah. actually I'm I'm curious Boomer if it's not don't tell us the next part. I just I almost want right, to kind of know uh, Yeah, that's fair. Let's we'll take it in let's steps.
1: say Jointly, we're saying 2006 USC, and if it's wrong, give us a second shot. Boomer? All right, well, conveniently, you
2: won't need a second shot because that is the correct answer. Uh, Nebraska was I a nomination. was a 17-point underdog to USC prior to that game, kind of surprising. So. Wow. And that's actually one of the few times we've been a non-conference underdog going back to the data that I could find. It's hard to find good uh, stat lines for... You know Vegas odds back in the seven, you know, 70s and 80s, which I couldn't even imagine the last time. Prior to that, we would have been a non-conference uh, underdog by that substantial an amount. You know, bowl games. Granted, we were some underdogs in some of those, but uh, otherwise, yeah, we were 17-point underdogs to to USC going into that game.
1: When did All Vegas? Be how much that swings back? Sadly, we
2: didn't cover the spread either. It's...
1: Well, yeah, it's true. It feels like we started at five or or six. It sounds like with Oregon, yeah. It money moved quickly.
2: Yeah, it was a very so that
1: that likely moves back a little bit, but it still probably stays double digits. Uh, Wow,
3: we allowed a ton of points. You know, on paper it looks like. I mean, not not even on paper, just on the scoreboard, we allowed a lot of points. I feel like, you know, it. it, I understand the line. You know, I guess, Mm -hmm.
0: but uh, yeah, it totally makes sense. I I. It's hard yeah. to hard to argue that, and I guess this segues in a little bit to Oregon itself. They put up 77 points. They put up 703 or 5 yards, something like that. They had 300. Hey, Honk. Yeah.
1: We're going into scarlet-colored glasses right now, aren't we? We are
0: going into scarlet-colored glasses. Excellent. Go ahead. <laughs> and uh, they had 355 passing yards. They had 348 rushing yards. Uh, so fairly balanced there and, and a lot of yards. But I'll kind of go back to what I said earlier in the game or on the show is that I don't know that you get as much, if you're Oregon, I don't know if you get as much out of beating the heck out of Southern Utah and putting up 77 points as impressive as that is. I don't know if they learn as much about their team and gain as much from that first game as all the things that Nebraska did with Arkansas sure, State. So sure. um, Oregon has uh, Justin Herbert is their, their quarterback they have Royce Freeman back at at running back, and they have uh Cami or what is it Cami Kanai Benoy whatever. Uh, Benoy.
1: Benoy, yeah,
3: Benoy not, not gonna staying, work here yeah, anymore.
0: <laughs> not gonna work here anymore. So they have uh, two different guys that ran for 100 yards in the game. They had a 99-yard receiver in Charles Nelson, but their best receiver and the guy that that had some good plays against us last year, Carrington, he's now at uh, Utah where he caught 10 passes, 100 plus yards, and a touchdown. That's crazy. Uh, against yeah. North Dakota last weekend. So
1: Charles Nelson is not is that not the uh proper name of Prince?
0: Well he was Charles Nelson was also on the match game,
1: seventy six, uh, I think. Or that was Charles Nelson Riley. But that kinda dates
3: Charles in charge was a sick. That was Scott Bayo. So that, <laughs> that, that was theory. a random that was Scott Bayo.
1: Oh, I, yeah. I thought actually I actually had something with Charles Nelson the yeah. third, but uh yeah, and and Boomer, I'm also dying to know where is uh, Southern Utah located in? Because I mean, there's nothing in Southern Utah. So, uh, strangely, if I had uh, a a guess <laughs> without looking it up, I'd say Saint George. That's the only thing I can think of in
2: Southern Utah. That was my. I'll guess. find out for um, you shortly. Yeah. I, I know they're the Thunderbirds. If that helps.
0: Oddly, um,
3: that's great. Oh, that's yeah, a great that's, song. Yeah. I mean, a band. Yeah, oddly, great it's band. in Montana.
0: The ones. That's the strange thing. It's <laughs> it's kind of like Kent It's not in Kentucky. Um,
3: yeah. but Purdue State. Not in the state of Purdue. <laughs> or not Purdue. I mean Peru. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Anywho. Too many red beers tonight, fellas. Yeah.
2: Southern Utah uh, is located in Cedar City. Cedar City. That, Cedar yeah. City. That's of course. It's like it's
1: in Bonanza or something. It might uh, as well be. So yeah, I, I think the hockey's point, I, I don't know if the Ducks were tested versus Southern Utah. Uh, hey, we played Arkansas State, but at least they are sunbelt and... Um, a, a FBS foe uh, they did actually give up some yardage in some points I guess to southern Utah so I, I guess the interesting thing there is did Jim Levitt's you know defense at Oregon also struggle to it's to some degree similar to Diaco's defense at Nebraska and what does that mean? come Saturday.
0: Yeah, Oregon gave up 365 yards to Southern Utah. They also lost the time of possession uh, 33 minutes and 45 seconds Southern Utah had. Yeah, again, Warrior. some of these stats You know, can be a little skewed when you look at the game being 77 to 20 whatever. Uh, Oregon, in true Oregon fashion, had 12, uh, 12 uh, penalties for 115 yards. They also had a couple of turnovers. Mm-hmm. So when you go back to what Riley talked about being important, 94% of teams win it in the Big Ten when they Run the ball more and have less turnovers. I think there's opportunities there. I certainly do. Uh, as far as a, a social media question we had, we have a first one of our uh, Facebook followers, Travis Wilbeck. He asked, uh, "Will the Husker defense uh, was the Husker defense holding back to not show the Ducks anything, or was that as good as they are?" Well, we'll find out. I mean, this is a an offense here that's that they're going to try to test us running and passing, and we saw Royce Freeman last year before he got injured. He certainly was starting to have a, a decent, you know, uh, a game against us. Uh, I think our front seven's ready for a physical contest. I, we didn't get to see that against Arkansas State. That's one thing that just didn't th- – that wasn't the nature of what that game's going to be. I think Oregon's going to try to establish a run against us. They're going to try to hit us up the gut. They're going to try to do some fly swoops around. And I'm I'm really – I'm intrigued. I'm interested to see what that front seven, Diakos 3-4 – how we do against the, those backs and tackle. And, and it, yeah, you know, I, if, look, I mean, if we give up 348 rushing yards, like Southern Utah did, we're probably going to be in a lot of trouble, but Riley would tell you the game. same thing. Yeah. He wants to outrun the sure. opponent and have, sure. you know, finish better off in turnovers. So on the defensive side, Oregon, they've got, you know, they had the Clemson graduate transfer that Scott Pagano on D line they are, uh, their uh, best player probably linebacker Troy Die and he had 10 tackles in the last game including a sack, couple tackles for losses. Um, big guy, 6'4" 225. They had another linebacker Justin Holland, 6'6" 237. So two big tall linebackers that are adjusting as you mentioned Dave to Levitt's uh new 3-4. So they Oregon just historically Oregon's been a 3-4 defense forever. They bring in Brady Hoke mm-hmm. last year, he goes to a 4-3 it was a failed experiment and now uh levitt's just taking them back to what they've been doing forever
3: do you think it'll sure. serve us any better that we've been seeing a 3-4 all throughout fall camp you know i mean
1: one would think, think a that point. it has to help a bit
3: you know as opposed to one that you just sort of set up for one game but i mean boy though it seems like there are some there are some there's a three four and there's a three four. I mean there are definitely differences because sometimes it seems like our backers were so far off the line and other times way up up against it. so yeah I mean I Newby
1: and Gifford were so wide sometimes it felt like you know we did only have five guys in the box in that scenario. Yeah I mean I could see some of that again when Oregon spreads us out, right I mean
3: Well, you know the tack like you know like we talked about before, that tackling being pretty good. Was encouraging because that's how Oregon has traditionally just killed teams is, is missed tackles. And one sure. missed tackle against Oregon is, you know, lots of times six. So, you know, I could see, you know, people shouldn't panic next week when Oregon's putting up yards against us because they absolutely will. Yes. The ball's going to move. So you need to relax about that. And just, we got to tighten up, we got to force them into some mistakes. But that's, I guarantee you, that's going to be his game plan. He's going to play it oh. safe, and he's going to play it close. So, so just don't you know, don't panic next week. Yeah, until it, you know we start. You are right about that. Yes. We may
1: see a very different uh, you know offense versus defense this week opposed against Arkansas State, but that same philosophy really plays true here because Oregon State loves the big play, or Oregon State sure. loves the big play, and Diaco is going to do everything he can to force them to dink and dunk down that. Absolutely,
0: field. and that's the thing, you know again we don't want 90 plays against us and at the same time they might have a few plays against us because in the tw- inside the 20s you're trying to prevent that big play right and Oregon has tr- traditionally shown between penalties and also between turnovers is that if you don't give them that big play if you can make Oregon have to do it seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times in a row somewhere along the line there's going to be a mistake there's going to be a penalty there's going to be a turnover that's going to kill them what Oregon likes to do is, if they don't have to go eight plays or nine plays in a row, if they can get the one big break and guy goes for 80 yards, that's awesome. But can we prevent that? That's going to be a big piece of it. Oregon, I don't, you know, here they had 26 minutes of possession time. They don't need a lot of possession time, obviously, to put up 77 points. Right, that's not So the make them work for everything. And to your point, Mac, they're, they're going to get some yards. Deal, I'm fine with that. Deal with that.
1: Really quick on, on that, uh, I'm just thinking back of a couple of games that stick in my head of where Oregon's offense really did bog down, and it was some of those Stanford games where Stanford just, just, just out-muscled them, and that offense really bogged down. Do you feel like uh, Stanford had a certain approach to defending that uh, Oregon offense? Now, this is a different coaching staff, so it's it's hard to say, but... Uh, that that was really effective there. That Diaco could em- employ.
3: I always felt where Stanford had the advantage on them is Stanford's been so good on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And mm-hmm. with a team like Oregon, if you can get, you know, if you can get a really good surge from your defensive line, you can you can really upset a lot of the timing of their offense in the past. And I think that's where Stanford sure. had some success. And then on the other side of that was being able to control the ball by running it. You could keep the ball out of Oregon's hands, so it's a it was a it was a double edged sword for Stanford. And I, and I could see our offense maybe doing that, maybe not to the extent of what I feel like Stanford's really cultivated as a run system. But uh, Trey Bryant showed showed a lot in this game, and and you know as many double tight end sets as we ran, and uh, you know, having a fullback in there, I, I feel like formation and personnel wise, there's there's, there's definitely an effort by this coaching staff to focus on the run game. So who knows? I mean, it it looks like the game plan. Absolutely. Mac and Dave,
0: I think you hit on this. Perfect. I'm looking at the 2013 stats of Oregon, Stanford and uh, go back to the Riley statement. Do you want to run the ball for more? Well, Stanford ran the ball for 274 yards. Oregon ran for 62. That's one way to stop it. And what I was talking about earlier with our front seven, they're going to try to run the ball against us. Why wouldn't they? Royce Freeman started having success a year ago against us. We're going to have to be able to defend that. And if we can, we're going to be in good shape. If we're giving up the 300 yards, yeah, we're in trouble. Mac, to your point about uh, uh, Bryant, Stanford that year had a guy, Tyler Gaffney, run 45 carries for 157 yards. 45 carries. It was only three-and-a-half-yard average, but 45 carries. And that leads to a heck of a... You know, when you're when you're going for right. that uh, that much, I mean you're gonna have a time of possession lead. my gosh Stanford had the ball for 42 minutes and 21 seconds. Oregon had the ball for right. 16 minutes in that game. So yeah, again, that's, that that's goes classic. everything back to what we just said that if that's a if that's kind of a, a formula there we're not exactly what Stanford was then different styles and stuff but stopping their run, having the ball, you know more of a time right. of possession. And when they do have to drive the ball, don't miss tackles. Don't give them big plays. And if you make them go eight, nine, ten plays in a row, they're eventually going to make mistakes. They're going to have penalties, 12 of them last week. They're going to have turnovers. And if we can run the ball for more, and if we have less turnovers of them, holy smokes, we start to sound like a guy that's been coaching for about 40 years because that's what Mike Riley just said prior to the season were the most important things.
3: Well, you know, and 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 talking about the offensive too, you know, if you look at what they were actually trying to do, if we didn't have a couple key penalties that killed some drives that were going, that kind of forced us to pass a few more times than we wanted to because the runs were called back. I mean, those numbers flip pretty quickly. You know, it seems like this coaching staff is seem like to run the ball, but I, on the first down plays, we just they were really good about getting yards but I like how the balance is there, but it is definitely a balance with the run side. I feel like I felt like the run side was, was an emphasis for this last week. And if with, without a couple, you know, badly timed penalties, you know, the numbers would would have borne that out a little bit, even more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good point. I mean, it's going to be interesting how that translates to the field on Saturday afternoon. That's for certain. All right. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to our, our predictions section. Hey, Boomer, uh, I think you probably know the stats. What was the uh, the tally from last week? Just win loss, or at least our losses? Uh, losses. Well, with Tennessee winning tonight, I believe
2: we all had Tennessee. Is that correct? I that think we had correct. that winning.
1: So, all right. Yes.
2: So my last quick tally. Uh, Honky had some math difficulties doing this earlier today, so. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> that was a funny text line. It was. So. Uh, that was priceless. I don't usually like to read those, so but Boomer that one at, was funny. Did you
1: win? Well, were, uh, were you up on?
3: You sound shocked at that, Dave. But
2: yeah, uh, last I checked, uh, two losses for me, three for Dave, and five each for Honky and Mac.
1: Yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, unfortunately, Boomer's Honky's a lock of the, of the
2: week uh, is the only one that did not pay off. So hopefully, Tony no, 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 and, no. I missed Tennessee. Oh, you did miss Tennessee. No, Tennessee won the game. No, no, Tennessee. Yeah, won. Tennessee did win the game. I forgot.
3: The, Despite yeah.
2: stats being horribly stacked against them, they won the game. So, yes. any redcasters who my lock was you know.
3: pretty good. I'll take my lock. Right. Lock of the week. You know, Wrap it up. fortune favors the bold, and I pick some. I pick some teams That's that were right. maybe a little questionable. That's right. That's I don't. I right. to not right. gonna apologize for that. I, I live my life that way. <laughs>
1: well, week, week two of the uh, the football schedule has got tons of gems on it. Again, I think there's actually some fun ones in here. Uh, honky, you've got the list. Uh, do you want to start at the top and then I'll throw it out? Absolutely.
0: Uh, we are starting with uh, Miami of Florida making the strange trek to Jonesboro, Arkansas to play the Red Wolves that we just played.
1: All right, let's start this with Boomer. Uh, Miami.
3: Mac, Miami.
0: i got to try to catch up somewhere. I'm going to go with Arkansas State.
1: You fool. He's always trying to catch up. I'm going with <laughs> Miami. Next game, Honk.
0: Iowa, Iowa State, the high cyclone V trophy or whatever it's called.
1: I'll take this first. I'm going to go Iowa. Mac.
3: Iowa. Boomer.
1: Iowa. Honk.
0: With my lock of the week,
1: Iowa. <laughs> All right. game <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, now. you hedge your bets. You, you, <laughs> you love Wyoming, but Iowa's a sleeper. Now you can take Iowa for. Full throttle. That's right. All right. Next game, honk.
0: Northwestern and Duke. The Brain Bowl.
1: You take this one, honk. Go for I'm it. I'm going with Duke. Ooh, Whoa. Mac. Northwestern. Boomer. Northwestern. I'm taking Northwestern, too. I think they won this last year, if I'm not mistaken. Excellent. All right. Next game, honk.
0: Pitt, Penn State.
1: Uh, I'm going to go Boomer to start. Penn State, and there's my lock
2: of
3: the week. Oh, nice pick. Yeah. Good pick. Let's go Mac. I'm going to go Penn State. Penn
1: State. I'll make
3: that four for four with Penn
1: State. Next game. Georgia,
0: Notre Dame.
1: Ooh, this is a good one. I'll start with uh, McGuire on this one. Mac.
3: I'm going to go Notre Dame.
1: Nice. Easton is out as a QB. Boomer. Uh, Notre Dame. Go Irish. I will also take Notre Dame because of that. Georgia. Hmm. Nice, nice. What's up next? Stanford, USC. I'm going to take this one because Stanford's my team in the Pac-12, so I will take Stanford. And you know what? Are you going to go with it? Do, Do it. it. Pull Lucky the trigger. I, I'm going to have to we're running low on locks. I'll take the lock of the week. What the hell? Wow. Stan, Sam <laughs> Darnold actually did struggle a little bit. I called that. Everybody's like Sam Darnold's going with the Heisman. He did not look that sharp. I'm telling on you
3: right now, Sam Darnold is completely human. This this guy's hype is three games in. Relax. Yeah. Everybody needs to relax on Sam Darnold. And quite frankly, Wyoming's quarterback, Meh. No, he's a gunslinger. Right, Mac, he's got a lot to learn. Mac, about you're calling
1: it. What, who, who do you got? Stanford, USC.
3: Uh, I'm going USC. <laughs> Despite everything I just said,
2: <laughs> Boomer. <laughs> oh. God, USC.
0: Huh. I have Stanford, and I will say Josh Allen from Wyoming. He he's the real deal. That Wyoming he didn't have some of the parts he's, around him, but he's the real deal as a QB.
3: I was uh, impressed because of his, his decision. His decision making is questionable. Low
1: Division One talent uh, at wide receivers probably bringing him down. Probably, right d- okay. probably that does certainly does him. hurt him. The front, no front, doubt the front about
3: seven it. He of, of Iowa. A ton of time to throw. The
0: front seven of Iowa made him have to make some bad decisions at times, but. Anywho, yeah. next up, we have Indiana, Virginia.
1: The honks, you can take this one first. I'm going with Indiana. Nice. Uh, I will also take Indiana.
3: Mac. I'm going to go with
1: Indiana. Boomer.
2: Yeah, Big Ten, Solidarity. Let's go Indiana.
1: Look at that. All right. What's up next, Honky?
0: All right, we're starting to get into the big ones. Oklahoma at Ohio
1: State. Boomer. Oh, jeez.
2: At Ohio State, I'll take the Buckeyes.
3: Mac.
1: Buckeye. Honky.
0: Ohio State.
1: I'll make that four for four. I, I don't see Oklahoma going in there doing it. They sure didn't do it last year's uh, at home. It wasn't even close. So good showing first week though for Oklahoma. Yeah, they did. Yeah, true. True. And Ohio State did struggle a little bit, but um, yeah, I just. Next game up. All right, Honk, what do Auburn
0: you think? Auburn at Clemson.
1: This is a great matchup. Is this at Clemson in Death Valley? Yes. Is that yep. correct? At Clemson.
3: Clemson's my lock of the week. Mac
1: is taking Clemson wow. as a lock.
3: Boomer. Yeah.
1: Uh, sticking with the world is so dark theme, Auburn. Huh. Interesting. Alright. I'm gonna go with Clemson. Honk? Clemson. Clemson.
3: Join us, Michael. All
1: right, and what well, else last do we one have is have,
0: is Nebraska and Oregon.
1: Here it is. All right, let's uh, let's start with Boomer. I said Nebraska preseason had win a couple games they weren't expected to win. This is going to be one of them, Nebraska. Wow. All right, I'm going to stick with my preseason. I, even though I love the offense, I think the defense does have a little bit to go, and I do think we're going to get. A lot better as the season goes on, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to go against Nebraska and take Oregon here. Mac.
3: The defense gave me pause, but then Diaco gave me hope. <laughs> Tanner Lee makes me happy, and Trey Bryant is pretty cool. So I'm going to go with Nebraska over Oregon. Terry Wilson, you should be paying attention.
1: <laughs> uh, where are you now yeah, I don't Wilson? know where he went to and hockey, who are you taking
0: well Diaco today said we don't really one. talk about statistics we really don't care we're trying to build the plan to keep up the points down so at the end of the game we have one more point than the opponent so with that I'm going to probably go somewhere around Nebraska 57 Oregon 56 and in a strange twist of fate Nebraska wins by going for two <laughs> Nice. Uh, That's, that nice. score might change on the official uh, prediction sheet, but I'm, yeah. I'm going with Nebraska.
1: We'll lay some, lay some scores out. Uh, do you, anybody else want to put scores out right now, or you want to think about that and mull it over?
3: they are going to be points scored. Yeah. That's what I'll it's say. It's going to be high yeah. score. It'll, it'll be on it. It'll be It's going to be graphic. some yards churning. This is going to yeah. be like a, one of those four-hour games.
1: Yep. Yeah. Plenty of time to to watch this Extend game. Extend your
3: DVR recordings. Redcasters, go ahead and put eyes. an extra 40 to 50 minutes on it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. All right. I think that's a solid show. We get some parting shots, though. Um, you know, uh, uh, Honky, you have uh, a parting shot you want to leave the listeners with? Well,
0: it, it is with great sorrow that I must tell you all that Ed Cunningham has given his last college game review. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. And speaking of reviews, <laughs> shameless plug here, but uh, please give the Redcast a positive view on iTunes. And while we're at it, we figured out last week we're on Podbean, and I don't even know what that means yet. But uh, apparently, Podbean we're on Podbean now too. So, so yay!
1: All the cool kids are on Podbean. Like, so that's, that's it's nice. c- all
0: the cool kids are on the Podbean.
3: It's cool to pee your pants. <laughs> <laughs> this
1: is amazing. All right, Mac. Anything to leave um, our listeners? Parting
3: with? shot. I would just like to caution all of our Husker fanatics on social media to maybe take a couple breaths before you go on right after the game. You know, we did actually win, so one to zero. Good stuff, guys. Let's uh, let's <laughs> let's stay positive. It's true.
1: It's true. Good point, Boomer.
2: Well, I'd just like to state that after this uh, kind of exciting uh, four-day weekend of college football, that uh, anyone out there who actually prefers watching NFL to college, you're really nothing but just a uh, uncivilized, uneducated philistine. So,
1: college football far <laughs> superior to the NFL. Nice. Here, here. Uh, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I just think it was. Uh, let's just uh, you know, cheers to college football being back, guys. That's my parting shot. Is. It was a great weekend. I'm looking forward to 12 or 13 more of these. And um, I'm looking forward to doing the show uh, and having this talk uh, after each one. So let's uh call that a Go Big Redcast and uh, let's GBR this thing out. Go big, big go big Red.
3: red.